0: Welcome to the Eat, Move, Live 52 podcast. We are excited to talk about a topic dear to our hearts and we hope to yours as well, namely emotional eating. With the holidays coming up, There is so much piling on, and Roland and I thought this would be a great time to discuss emotional eating.
1: Yeah, thanks for joining us. We just got back from a very nice four-day road trip and feeling super, super stress-free.
0: Super stress-free. I'm looking at my pedometer. It's like 14,000 steps today. It's like, what did we do this morning before we left? Because my butt feels flat from all the sitting, (laughs) but we must have done something walking up and down a couple of cool trails this morning.
1: Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Got up this morning, went on a little, on a drizzly, kind of foggy hike, and um, yeah, a little soak in the tub, the, hot, the mineral, mineral springs, and just had a great day.
0: Yeah, it was a great front-loading of a day that was going to be spent sitting for the rest of it, but I caught up on some good books, and uh, Roland and I ended up listening to some comedy uh, right in the most horrible LA traffic, <laughs> so that's always helpful.
1: Yeah, so we were talking a lot this weekend about stress in general. Um, Galena did a really good uh, stress relief talk last last week at uh, one of the doctor's offices where she uh, where she works. And while we were there, I just had this huge. Like I didn't realize the kind of stress that I was feeling, I guess, until I until I really paid attention. I was sitting in the back, taking pictures, and I followed along with the kind of things she was saying. And all of a sudden, I'm like, "Wow, this is the first time I felt like really like I don't know, like a connection to myself." Or I felt like there was nothing else really seriously going on. And um, yeah, it was that's sort of a powerful thing, just this lack of stress. I just really didn't know. I don't know how to describe it
0: can you guys tell he's like out of words it's <laughs> hard for Roland to describe what it was like to feel some quietness in his mind it was interesting because what he's describing is how he felt after I took the whole group through about a 10-minute exercise that uses the senses mm-hmm. it uses your sense of sight and hearing and smell and Taste and uh, your kinesthetic sense, your your t- t- touch, touch, yes. And it's like, what's that word? Touch the kinesthetic sense. And it was very interesting because one of the ladies um, from the second row, she was looking at me, going, "My mind is really quiet. I don't know quite what to do with myself." And what she was describing and what Roland was now attempting to describe is this very weird sense that people get when they first realize that they are here in this moment in the chair paying attention not thinking about the past not thinking about the future and all of a sudden the present becomes manageable because you're not dealing with a project that's not here in this moment because I am your teacher in this moment and the project's not here and you're not dealing with something that you can't do anything about which is in the past. And all of a sudden, it's almost like a like some sort of a warp. It's like a thought warp Mm. where you're you're looking at yourself going, oh, wow, like my sense of reality is completely different when I'm actually embodied, when I'm in my body. And this is a great segue into our talk today about emotional eating, because oftentimes emotional eating happens exactly because we are not in our bodies or because we don't want to be in our bodies.
1: Mm. That's interesting. Yeah, because you think you're just tuned out and oblivious to it, but in reality, there's some sort of sub- subconscious thing that's, that's 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 protecting you or trying to protect you, or, um, you from some sort of pain or something like that. Yeah, yeah, you mm. can say that. I just did.
0: <laughs> yes, you did. Okay.
1: Gold star for Roland.
0: Gold star for Roland. He figured it out.
1: Yeah. So I, I I don't know that I mean if you're new to the podcast, you may not know it, but I've been a, a a victim or whatever however you want to describe it i'm a survivor of emotional eating right so i i you know i lost 110 pounds and those 110 pounds were primarily from emotional eating or like a huge part of it right i didn't just overeat i i was like obsessed like not obsessed i was like addicted to overeating and like using that to sort of hide behind I was hiding behind food I felt like and it's sometimes so a challenge to this day.
0: Yeah, Roland just uh sent out in the last newsletter some old pictures of him and you know, you're a teenager early twenties and it's like wow, you can see that your your body's struggling to, you know, really embody power and strength and size that are typical of a male of, you know, that age mm-hmm. and you're like, No, I'm just gonna eat. <laughs> You know, which is certainly one way to get through that stage. It's it's very complex, you know, young young adult life is yeah, very complex yeah. and very challenging.
1: So back then I would not have, like if somebody asked if I was an emotional eater, I would have said no, because I wasn't going after like the things that you typically think of as for emotional eating foods, at least that I would have. Like I didn't go after, I didn't go after donuts or desserts or like hide with a pint of or a quart or a gallon of ice cream. I just had, uh, I would have an extra burger, or I'd have mm-hmm. an, an extra meal, or I would eat, you know, uh, two burritos instead of one. And I would eat until I was over full. Yeah. So what are some of the, so, like, for somebody like me back then, like, what are some of the signs, like, what are some of the things that I could have looked for to become aware that emotional eating was going on?
0: Well, I think definitely looking at your day-to-day mood, is something that you could look for if your mood in any way was related to food you could say that you were emotionally eating so say that you were having a kind of a crappy day and then you had some food and you felt better you know
1: Mm -hmm.
0: possibly some emotional eating is going on because you were using you might have been using food to bring feelings of satisfaction or well-being um, or like that day was worth living you know Mm. That's one way. Another way is eating without being hungry. Like we often don't eat out of physical hunger. Um, and then another very common sign is you just had dinner and you're still opening the fridge. You know, my mom would tell me you'd get a sinus infection if you don't you know s- stop closing if you don't start closing the fridge at night. And it's something that I did as a teenager, definitely is I would finish whatever the family meal was and I would go rummaging through the fridge, you know a thousand calories later. Mm. Which there's no reason that you should be hungry after eating, yeah, right. So if you find yourself for those of you listening, if you find yourself eating when you're not hungry, if you find yourself wanting to eat more after a meal that should have been sufficient, if you're finding yourself with a changed mood around food, and definitely if you're finding yourself having conversations, after food where you're feeling guilty or bad or you're trying to swing the pendulum the other way and now eat clean for a couple of days, you know that you're using food in behaviors that are not necessarily nutritive behaviors, but they're more around other issues.
1: Hmm. Yeah, I used to get so mad at myself after after that second burrito or second burger right. or um, like never when I ordered it, but after I ate it, yeah.
0: Yeah, and, and that's definitely one way in which we keep ourselves locked in that cycle where the negative self-talk perpetuates a separation from self and perpetuates a separation from what's really happening. So you never really get to know yourself and your needs and you never really get to meet your actual needs because that guilt or shame or self-blame or self-condemnation keep you from knowing yourself and it's it's kind of a tongue in cheek thing but you know we we talk about it in my emotional eating retreats it's very difficult to take care of someone you don't love and it's true it's true it's very difficult and so the negative self talk keeps you separate from yourself it's interesting it is interesting yeah. and it's and it's it's human and it's part of this human condition and the more we talk about it, the more we bring light to it. The more you can see how other humans do it too, so it becomes less of a kind of a pointing finger itself thing.
1: Hmm, interesting. So that's the. Those are the sort of the actual. Well, I mean, obviously, those are the emotional reasons. Those are the psychological reasons for doing mm-hmm. it, right? So, are there any like physical or physiological reasons why? why this happens
0: absolutely if you think of eating in general when do we first start experiencing the effects of a meal is when we are babies we're little ones Mm -hmm. right and for those of you who have been parents or have watched little babies babies cry and then when they find food namely you know they're either gonna find mom's breast or a bottle they're going to eat and they're going to calm down and fall asleep and so we have this cycle of agitation and then calming down, or activation and deactivation, mm. or you can call it sympathetic and parasympathetic. And when we eat, we naturally calm down, not only because we've received nutrients, which is going to perpetuate life, and yay, great, you know, big deer today. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's why, you know, our ancestors were eating fish all the time, is because they wanted to go after a bigger game we we calm down when we have abundance when our bodies have sense that there's nutrition coming in but there are actual physiological mechanisms through which the act of sucking and swallowing when you're a baby or chewing and swallowing when you're an adult with the mastication with the activity of the facial muscles with some of even the effects of the sounds in the inner ear bring a calming effect or a parasympathetic effect interesting yeah so there's there's for example reasons to believe that crunchy food is more calming than creamy food because of that effect of of
1: that some sort of vibration that the vibration
0: makes. and the actual muscles that are in the inner ear that respond to prosody and tone of voice um the same muscles that respond to mama's tone of voice where a kid can recognize who the mom is so
1: is we, that where crunchy moms come from
0: i don't know where crunchy mom comes from but i i feel like it's we still know so little, and yet what we know is giving us an idea about how complex we are and how many physiological needs we have unmet and how many psychomotional needs we have unmet.
1: Wow. I know I keep saying interesting, but it actually is interesting. It
0: is very interesting. Yes. And so,
1: sorry. No, no. So I mean, it's just especially so, so, interesting because because it's me. You yeah, know? It's right. Like, it's like that's right, right, right. this is something that um and we talk about all sorts of things about nutrition and movement and all these things that I'm participating in right but this is something that it still affects me like right. on multiple levels and so i do find it interesting and, and enlightening at the it same time it is very
0: interesting and there's another thing where you know we are we can only cope with stressors as well as we learned how to cope with them and the coping is a physical skill so how much capacity you have to tolerate especially negative emotions things that we deem negative such as you know sadness or anger or grief depends on how you coped with them when you were little and that's something that we borrow from our primary caregivers so depending on how well mom and dad and other primary caregivers cope that's how well you cope and this is something that can really bring softness to the situation where you think about back to your early childhood how your primary caregivers dealt with stressors is usually how you're going to deal with it. And if they didn't deal well, you probably won't have that capacity either. So your ability to handle stressors is as much psychological as it is physiological. And so these days, there isn't that big of a separation. And I I really am hoping that the whole mind-body thing disappears because there is no mind and body. Now your unconscious is your body so that we can start learning that when we're having psycho-emotional challenges or challenges with emotions there are physical challenges they're not you know they're not from your neck up and your unconscious is in the basement of the mind you know it's, it's your whole body is your unconscious so when you can't tolerate an emotion you physically can't tolerate it so looking for a physical outlet or a physical calming down effect is the most natural thing and food does this incredibly well
1: that's unfortunate.
0: Well, or fortunate because, you know, some people do it with gambling or alcohol or...
1: Yeah, I guess.
0: You know, uh, promiscuity and many random partners. Like, there's many different ways that you can get that need met. Or, you know, what are those people doing? People who freeze their credit cards because, you know, they can't stop shopping for yeah. stuff. You know, it's, it's all a hit. It's all an attempt to bring regulation to a system that is dysregulated whether because the stressor is too huge right now or because that system never developed an ability to tolerate affect um, because of multiple challenges and you know it becomes particularly difficult if you grow up in famine or you grew up in hunger or if food was used in some way in your family to reward or to punish, you know, it it can be so complex. I have, um, you know, I hear heartbreaking stories about kids that the only comfort that they knew in their life was food because mom or dad were not available or, you know, kids who are adopted that I work with, you know, it's very, very complex. So we need to hold this with a really broad view and say, hey, there's a challenge in the system and the system of the person who's emotionally eating is asking for help it's asking for regulation and beating yourself up for it or putting yourself on a diet is definitely not the way to get there.
1: Hmm. What is? Like <laughs> right. I mean, you know, I've come had my own journey but you know so I'm better but I'm still it's a it's like I have to consciously resist. Right. right? So this gives you some
0: information that there are some biological challenges with regulation that you might want to address. And, you know, those of us who are quote-unquote healthy enough, whatever that means, to even be pondering this question and have enough self-awareness, there's a lot we can do. There's things like meditation that can be very helpful, yet might not be enough because you might need someone to actually sit on the outside of you and help you regulate because in human... In human relationship, you know, it's, it's relationship. Your whole human being is in an interaction. And so oftentimes we take so much pride in doing things on our own. Like, what can I do? But problems that occurred in relationship or biological systems that develop in relationship and didn't develop well need relationship in order to develop. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Yeah. So there's two, there's kind of two main ways that we get to to this kind of fork in the road here like which way do we go we either never developed the self-regulation ability to regulate emotions and to be in touch with our bodies and to be able to tolerate whatever comes to a certain extent because there's intolerable stuff that comes to all of us and we hopefully have the capacity to live through it or so it either never developed or it developed and got interrupted if it developed and got interrupted, it's easier to come back to it on your own. Say you had everything perfectly developed and then, or as well as good enough developed, well enough developed, and then something happens. And then you can get back on your horse and, you know. I feel
1: like that's me. I feel like I was perfect yeah. and then something must have happened. Of
0: course you're perfect or you wouldn't be married to me. But But you can kind of get back on your horse with some self-discipline and some meditation or things never developed right. And I would say for most of us who are raised in Western society, that's probably the more common case. And then you need to develop it again or for the first time with another adult in the room. Hmm. And so that's where, you know, somebody who never felt safe in their body or who never felt safe to be in their body and feel what's happening in their body or feel their emotions needs another Human system in the room that they can feel safe with and that's where a biologically trained psychotherapist or body oriented um, Psychotherapist or body worker like I am trained to do somatic work can really be incredibly helpful Where in a few sessions you can start to negotiate some of that self-regulation challenge
1: hmm, Interesting Now I've been I've seen you talk about emotional eating before in small groups and in big groups, right? So I know that there are some techniques, some things you can do to sort of bring people like mm-hmm. awareness, sort of mm-hmm. help them. Like maybe uh, people who – or, or even show them that it's possible to – and I don't know the right word. I don't know whether whether it's resist or be, just become aware or deal with it or whatever. But I've seen you with groups lead them through a couple of exercises that at the end they're like, oh, my gosh, now I have something, where I, I have something to work with.
0: Right. Well, I would say the first practical thing to realize is that emotional eating is not about the food. Okay. So whether you emotionally eat radishes or peaches or Oreos, like at the end of the day, some people are like, oh, I wish it was radishes, but you actually don't because that really stinks and then your belly hurts. <laughs> um, but there's, there's no way in which um, treating your body in an unkind way feels good, no matter what you're treating it unkindly with, right? Mm -hmm. And so the first thing to know is that it's not about the food. Emotional eating, whether it's because you're feeling an emotion that's too much and you're trying not to feel it, or because there's self-regulation issues and you're using the food to self-soothe because life is hard and we're all overstimulated and we're all wanting to calm down before we can go to bed, whichever whichever road brought you to emotional eating the food is not the problem and that's the first thing to realize if you continue to think that emotional eating is about the food and it's about discipline this will not be very helpful to you okay Um, but if you are willing to think that emotional eating is a symptom and there are other things going on under the surface, then it's easier to help the system regulate and to do some biologically-based exercises.
1: Okay. So I think this is good because we were talking earlier about, uh, about our, while we were driving, right, about my emotional eating challenges and what are some of the techniques that I use to stop the attack or whatever. Right. It, right. And I said, well, I used to brush my teeth or I would floss or I would do something to distract myself. And, um, and then that would be, and that would be it for that night. Right. Or, Cause it usually happens to me at night and you said, that's fine, but it's not solving the problem. It's just, and like, and if I was to solve the problem with that, it would be just solving the problem with emotional eating. It, the, my, m- now I could be drifting off into something else, using something else to cover up that same issue. Right. Like gambling, like or whatever.
0: Right, Netflixing.
1: Netflix. Yeah, that was the example. Like, you mm-hmm. know, maybe you're gonna binge watch Netflix, right? Right. And um, that's that's gonna end up being a bad thing too.
0: Right. So the the question is, if you if you deeply care about what's actually happening under the surface, and you want to get to know yourself and know how to meet your own needs. You need to see that all these things, whatever they are, there's no way to go for a walk instead of emotionally eat and still address what's happening under. So if you're willing to address what's actually happening under, it's important that you pause. And one thing that I teach that's very, very useful is just to pause and see what's happening in your body right now. And what we do with kids is we draw. So we'll do... And we do this with adults too because it works so well because we're all kids once and we all love to draw. And so we'll actually take um, and do uh, an outline, almost like a gingerbread person. Okay. And take two colors. So you can take like a red and a blue or a pink and a green, whatever you like. And you're going to use one color to draw and kind of do an outline of the gingerbread person on the on the piece of paper. You're going to fill in the parts of your body that feel okay. Or at least okay-ish okay and then the parts of the body that don't feel good right now so any places that feel open that feel that they have flow they have movement they have some warmth they have some pleasant aliveness in them you can fill in with whatever is the pleasant color that you chose and then any areas that feel tight or throbbing or achy or just kind of on fire whatever the unpleasant sensations are you're going to fill that out with the other color okay and that takes a while and if you can do it with your right hand and your left hand it's best Hmm. if you can do right and left hand at the same time it's even more best (laughs) right so it's even better so that that brings some hemisphere integration and some left right brain integration so if you can do that that usually takes most people about between like three and five minutes. That's enough time for me to be done with the sleeve of whatever cookie is in the is in the <laughs> cupboard. So you've already done something different, you've redirected your attention instead of externally, which is for most people a strategy to take attention away from what's in the body because it seems intolerable, to actually feeling what's in the body and finding out that it is tolerable. Oh. I felt my tightness and I felt my um, ickiness and dizziness and clamminess, whatever it is that you felt and you know what it didn't kill me not only did it not kill me but I used my hands and my eyes I used some of my communication system in my body to you know do some movement I did some movement with my hands I did some movement with my eyes and I'm okay so in a way it teaches you capacity It teaches you to tolerate and to not be afraid of what's happening inside yourself right now. Because so often, there's a fear of the emotion that we're feeling because of what would come next, usually, Mm, when we're we're little beings and we didn't have the resources that we have now as adults. A lot of people will find as they do this exercise, you're like, oh, you know, sometimes people will become aware of something and give that attention. Sometimes they'll be like, you know what, I did the exercise and nothing happened. I'm still going to go eat the thing. That's fine. Go eat the thing. But now you are aware of what you're actually feeling. And because you're a little bit more in your body, it's harder to stuff yourself. Oh, okay. Right? It's harder to do that self-harming behavior. Okay. So that's one thing that you can do is pause and draw.
1: I can do this.
0: You can totally do this. Another thing you can do is those of you who can sing. Or can't sing but there's no one around to hear so it doesn't really matter so for all intents and purposes you guys can't sing if you can sing something even if you can hum or just engage your your facial muscles that is so incredibly helpful so you can play whatever song you like to you care well kiss something in your living room and if you can dance and move with it even better you're going to find an immediate shift And this is not to cheer you up, but to, even though it might cheer you up, unless you're singing all by myself or something horrible (laughs) like that, right? You can see I can't really sing, which is why this is not a singing podcast. But if you can engage your facial muscles and if you can engage lips and cheeks and tongue, it's the same muscles that you would be engaging for eating. And a lot of the regulation that's happening on the autonomic nervous system level is happening because you're singing and it's awesome. If you're singing with other people, which is why chanting in Kirtan and all these things that we do um, in more tribal forms work so, so well for healing, even better. But I know most of you at 12 o'clock at night aren't calling a friend to chant together on the phone. So do what you can on your own. And a third way that can be very helpful is to just place a hand on your heart and a hand on your belly and just do some deep breathing. Or you can even put a hand on your forehead and one behind your head, kind of where your hair starts. If you still have hair, if you're not like rolling, remember where
1: your hair is. I still have hair back there. (laughs) Yeah, remember. It's just not on the front.
0: Remember where your hair used to be. Right back there, where you had a ponytail when you were young, and one hand on your forehead. And hold your hands there and do some deep breathing there. All these three can be very helpful coloring, singing, self touch. They work incredibly well. Allow them to work for you because they do work. And after that, if you still want to eat, go for it. But it's not going to be the same. And you're not going to like me because we're (laughs) going to break your pattern. Uh Um, Because these are biological tools. And (laughs) when we change the biological pattern, nothing is the same. You can't really coast through the old way.
1: Interesting. Again, interesting. Now, also interesting is that you said gingerbread man because we like one of the reasons we're we're driving around is like we're it's like the end of the year, right? And a lot of like the holidays Halloween's coming up, it's like the first holiday, right? And then Thanksgiving, and we're doing getting a lot of visiting done before like the main holiday season starts. And we were already been talking to people about the stress of the holidays and Gingerbread man is like a in America is like a primary simp- symptom symptom. It's a primary. It's a primary symbol
0: s- symptom symbol cookie.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's a symptom a symbol cookie of the holidays. Gingerbread man. It's like okay. a Christmas cookie.
0: For for all of you in Europe, just like a dr- an outline of like a crime scene investigation <laughs> is gonna do just as well.
1: Yeah. So um, does emotional eating? Do you think does that typically go up? During the holiday season,
0: I haven't really read official statistics, and I would imagine those are heavily underreported when we do have <laughs> them. But um, there is more of everything going on during the holidays, um, like you said in our two holidays promo video. Boom, right? Like yeah, it's yeah. just everything increases and gets compacted in a smaller um, in a smaller time frame. And what happens is whatever the struggle is throughout the year just gets magnified. If you are single and you don't want to be single, you're going to be more lonely. Hmm. If you're married and there's marital issues, there's going to be that magnified because now there's in-laws coming in and they're like in-laws are the magnifiers oh, right. of and the family. And if you're
1: divorced issues. and remar- or remarried or oh, like, like, like now you have like like It's like how, with us, our family like grandparents crazy. to go visit yep. and cuz yep. what if they're divorced too? Cuz mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, man, it's like a a reverse family tree i don't know what it is it's but a r- it's crazy you have so many people to go visit at the holidays so many people to shop for yeah it's cook v- for
0: it's very very complicated and if you haven't put in some family policies to keep stress low like for us we have a under the tree christmas budget and you can't break that it was like 25 bucks last year right
1: so it's just for free between galena and I.
0: yeah so there's particular things that we do to keep stress low unless you've put certain policies in place it's just going to be very very difficult so around the holidays usually everything gets magnified if you have chronic pain and illness that's going to go up and being in chronic pain makes you want to eat more because you're not feeling like you can regulate emotion and there's a lot of a lot of underlying stuff to chronic pain that contributes to having difficulty with regulating affect. And all around that, you're going to be doing more drinking, more eating. And then also there's this thing where you look around and whenever you're having emotional challenges, it seems like everyone else isn't having them. I don't know why that happens. It's like when we were today in traffic, going through LA, what a nightmare. It's like, and I think Tara Brock says that, she's like, you know, every time you're in traffic, there's traffic, but you're not the traffic, but they are the traffic, right? The brain does that. So around the holidays, when you're having challenges, it feels like you're the only person who doesn't have a family or you're the only person with a crazy family or the only person who hate families who can't <laughs> rap or whatever it is. And somehow everyone else can rap, but you can't. So the holidays magnify everything, make it even more unrealistic. And then media and commercials and Happy holiday movies, you know, make everything so unrealistic. And so at the end of it... It's supposed to be the happiest
1: time of the year.
0: Yeah.
1: And I I met a guy once who it is happy for him.
0: It can be. It can be. But it can also be a self-created misery. And food goes in to just make everything better. And around the holidays, we have pumpkin spice everything and chocolate, everything. And this thing we say we can only eat once a year. But in reality, we're eating it like 25 times in a week. So we've actually eaten it 25 times in the year. And it becomes very, very complicated. So yes, it gets worse. <sighs> well, not only that, but there's like a cultural obligation to have a weight loss resolution for January. So you almost kind of want to fulfill that. It's like, okay, I'm going to gain all this weight throughout the holidays and emotionally eat so I can be on the bandwagon with all my friends. Come January 1st, I'm going to do the real food reset, you know, whatever it is that you do. And you catch yourself in a cycle of binging and purging before you've started binging.
1: Yeah, even without the actual purge. But you mean you're binging food and purging weight, like, yep. but, a, but a month later or two months later. And it's just a cycle that you cannot, I mean, it's, it's a terrible cycle to be in because some of that, you know, weight is going to be permanent.
0: Well, and we want, it sounds so horrible to say, but sometimes we want to make ourselves worse before we make ourselves better. Because it keeps us kind of going up to the ceiling of the comfort zone, down to the basement of the comfort zone, up to the ceiling of the comfort zone, down to the basement of the comfort zone. And you go up and down, never really reaching what you want, never really having what you want. That's mm. keeping yourself from whatever it is that you don't want when you get what you want, which is a part of human nature. And so that's why it's so nice to have somebody, some other adult outside of you who you can talk to, who gets you, who understands these patterns. And you can say, okay, if you're really not interested in these patterns, let's go and address them. When it was time for me to address them, because I had so many years of food confusion around being a classical dancer, and this being my whole identity. And when I went back to address them, we, my therapist and I went down to me being two, three years old. I mean, you barely have vocabulary to say what you want, let alone to make the decision to emotionally eat. So you don't know what's under, but whatever is under is asking for your attention, and you're perfectly capable as an adult of giving that to yourself, so that food is food and love is love, as Janine Roth says, yeah?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Let's keep them separated.
0: Let's keep them separated and then we can mix them at our own desire instead of having them mixed for us.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we, we mentioned a couple of times this chill holidays and the holiday stress rising, right? So if you're hearing this now, the reason is because it's going into, well, it's November, mm-hmm. right? And uh, we're just about to start, kick off our chill holidays program. Which is a, it starts November 16th. 16th. And it's the second annual, we've done the chill holidays like this, um, fourth or fifth annual, we've done a holiday program just in general. And this is a sort of a, a, a follow along with us coaching pro group coaching program um, to like sort of survive the holidays in style, right? Like, well, sort of Low-key, low low-stress.
0: It's a very, very gentle way to keep you connected to yourself throughout the holidays. Okay. So it's six weeks of short daily lessons, whether it's a five-minute video or audio or a small downloadable PDF to keep you aware of the things that you said were important to you when you became a part of our group or a part of our uh, listener tribe or a part of our reader group.
1: And Galena described it so much better than I just did.
0: Where you said, you know, eating is important to me, eating healthy is important to me, and moving all throughout the day is important, and keeping stress low is important. Because I I have things I want to do in my life, and and these three things are going to help me really reach the potential that I feel I have for myself, or do the creative thing, or have the family that I want to have and live life in a happy way. And we hate to see you guys work so hard for your goals every year, and then come the holidays, feel like you have failed. In our eyes, if we're sort of here as your Um, supporters slash teachers, you never fail. Because even if you gain weight, you can always lose that. Even if you stop moving, you can always start moving again. But what we see is that everyone really gets down on themselves like oh i blew it like i was doing so well and now i blew it and this is what we see that really breaks our hearts and why we created show holidays last year was so that you stay connected to yourself so that you feel like you are doing the best you can because you always are yeah
1: yeah yeah.
0: that felt like I didn't take a breath for like <laughs> seven paragraphs but I, I really get like it really breaks my heart when I see you work so hard and be so committed and do your chopping and prepping and cooking and cleaning and posting recipes and you know going back and reading chapters of her book and then feeling like you have failed at something I don't even know what it is but You know, I I hate to see that. So I want to bulletproof that for you for the holidays so that you don't have to feel that again.
1: Excellent. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. So we've got, we should wrap this up, right? Yeah. But we've got, um, so if you're feeling, you got that emotional eating kind of a bug going, right? We've got the three things, right? So kind of back, listen back. And uh, we've got draw, right? Uh, sing, and what was the third one? Self touch. Self touch, right? Got that. And then we created a like a free video, right, for for chill holidays. For chill holidays, right? That you can go watch. We'll put the sh- put that in the show notes. But it's at eatmovelive52.com/chill. Yep. Right. So you can go there, watch the, is the, how long is it?
0: It's about 20 minutes. It's five strategies to survive the holidays.
1: Yeah, yeah. And if you still, I mean, it's great. And if you still feel pulled, like you want to join us for like a, like, like the, the thing that Galena said, where you get a little bit of something every day, you join our group, um, feel free on the no stress side of it. Feel free to join us. If that 20 minute thing is good for you, that's awesome. But we'd love to have you um, have you join us.
0: Yeah, and even just comment in the Facebook group or share how you are seeing yourself with the holidays coming up. And if you're too overwhelmed to share, that's when you know that you should share because you know we're we are designed to function in groups and in tribes that get each other. I mean, that's that's our biology. And the more we feel like we should get this on our own the farther we're getting away from our human nature and it's only gotten us in trouble so far.
1: Yeah, yeah. The, the, the way to succeed, the way to get better and the way to, uh, like, like you said earlier, the first, you, you, becoming aware that you have the issue is the first step. The second step is to, um, is to, to sort of take charge, right? And to, to reach out. And I'm going to say the best way to do it right now is to, to do those three things, but also to, to, to come into the Facebook group and and talk about it Mm -hmm. right and galena's there i'm there i can just go yeah yeah it's really nice i'm really i'm there with you solidarity because i'm there with you but galena's got some always got some words of wisdom and she can really help she's helped a lot of people i've seen it
0: people are doing well and and i'm doing well and you know i'm not doing well because i just woke up one morning and i was like yeah i'm well it's because i've been actively searching the support of others in order to heal, because I'm aware that there isn't an internal fault in the system. There is a fault in how we live and how structures structures in society are built right now. And so there's more of an opportunity for us that are aware to go out and heal and then help others. Um, and the, the more we heal ourselves, my hope is that when it's time for us to have a child, then, then I can pass on from my more regulated system, um, a neurobiology that is not going to keep exacerbating that because that's not information or opportunity or privilege that my parents or their parents had. yeah Yeah, so with that serious note we leave you and we hope that you have a lovely kickoff of the holidays uh if you did have too much halloween candy who am i to say it was too much so don't beat yourself up for it and uh come in say hello in the group and keep listening
1: as always we have show notes on uh, for this episode for each episode you can find them all yeah you can always find them all at eatmovelive52.com slash podcast it'll give you all of them and look for the emotional eating episode but i'll create a uh an easy one eatmovelive52.com slash emotional eating
0: great and maybe you can also link this one to the talk that we had with kelly coffee because she had some amazing ideas too.
1: oh yeah yeah kelly coffee is a good one yeah if you're i mean if you're we've got a wealth of information about all things movement nutrition stress emotional eating self-love uh we've got a podcast for almost everything in there so you know poke around but we will definitely put the link to that one in the notes thanks for good questions thank you for good responses galena i can't believe i said galena and I earlier it was galena and me thank you for listening bye everybody talk to you soon If you like today's show and want more episodes like it, you can help us by rating and reviewing the show wherever you subscribe. That means iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, Podbean, or in the podcast app on your phone. Do you know somebody who can benefit from today's episode? Share it right now from the show notes, which you can always find at eatmovelive52.com notes. And that funk that's playing behind me, it's called Proto Funk by Kevin McLeod. Thanks and talk to you soon. i